Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt kicks off now. This is the broadcast for February the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2024. This is our one of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America is our guide. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers, one of the peaceful, restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution unless it's a Jesus revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. A quick recap of yesterday's show. We said R.I.P. Toby Keith. Country star dead from stomach cancer at 62. What a sad tale to tell. Our prayers are with his family. We talked about Southern California braces for more flooding. They say it's a one in a thousand year rainfall event. Wow. Um, rainfall totaling three inches are expected yesterday. They got it. It's flooding everywhere. Uh, UN lies and says that melting Arctic ice is a key indicator of climate change. The promise, the problem is it's not melting at all, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. They say that this CO2 relationship with ice melting is problematic because it's not factual. A new report by Alan Ustruck Jensen. Uh, he's the research director and CEO at the Nordic Institute of Product Sustainability and Environmental Chemistry and Toxicology in Denmark basically shows that, hey, you know what? From September 2007 through September 2023, there's no warming. It's, there's no ice melting. It's zero. Trillions spent on climate change based on faulty temperature data. Climate experts now have to admit. Yeah, meteorologists are finding that 96% of, quote, NOAA, that's your government, N-O-A-A, NOAA government, you know, temperature stations. Listen, they're on rooftops. They're in urban areas. They're near uh, exhaust fans. They're on hot as all get out rooftops. They're literally suppressing the old data, making you believe that it was cooler. And they're literally highlighting new data, manipulating the reality. NOAA has been caught adjusting historical temperature data for years now. All I can tell you is it's out of control, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Just thought would bring that to your attention. Trump weighs in on border deal. Don't be stupid, he says. Well, amen to that. We'll get to that as the broadcast unfolds. We also talked to our guest, Mr. Tom DeWeese, president of the American Policy Center. You know, the American Policy Center doing a great job. He, Tom wrote an article said this, who do elected representatives think they're representing? Because it's not us. He also talked about setting the agenda for freedom's comeback. And he talked about what are freedom pods. It's working locally to force the truth into the discussions. Great work by Tom DeWeese, AmericanPolicy.org. Now to the broadcast at hand today, Lance Miliacho with me. He is the host of The Big MIG, TheBigMig.com, uh, on your uh, 
what online services virtually everywhere. Just look for the big MIG on all the popular. Look for Lance Miliacho on all the popular sites, all the popular um, social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and you'll find them great radio and TV stuff. They're kicking off a radio show, by the way, with Liberty News Radio. So that's one great thing coming up soon as well. Lance, welcome, sir. Hey, thanks, Sam. I'm really gr- happy to be here as usual. Love love my episodes here with you on Liberty Roundtable Live. And I'm excited about the new radio show. We'll be kicking off on the 16th, it looks like, every Saturday, Saturday thereafter, God willing. Uh, man, uh, crazy stuff. Uh, and I'm excited because boom, 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 crazy news cycles going on right now. Yeah, the news cycles are kind of like the weather cycles, man. They're getting crazier and more extreme every single day. Uh, and do I believe it's global warming? Uh, no, I don't. Do I believe the government's the only answer, the Hegelian dialectic plan? Uh, no, I don't. Do I believe there are crazy weather events occurring? Absolutely, I do. So that shoots down there claiming that I'm a, quote, denier on the weather or denier on the climate. I don't deny it at all. I just think God's the ultimate weatherman. He's punishing a people that have turned away from him. And there is a way back, folks. That's my take on the mix there. Now, I want to talk about a couple of uh, quick stories. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. The first one is called the Zest for Life podcast. Episode one is called Exploring Happiness. Now, I work for a lady named Kathy Smith and run her network called the Loving Liberty Radio Network. And I've ran this for her for quite a while now. And she talked to me on the phone and said, hey, you know what? I I listened to a great podcast and I want to tell you about it. So she tells me about this podcast, the Zest for Life podcast. And she talked about the first episode, Exploring Happiness and In that episode, they talk about several things. They say, number one, anybody who chases happiness directly ends up with less happiness. That's their research. I find that fascinating. So don't just try to make happiness your goal. Because if you do, you lose it. There are principles that you can follow that can bring happiness to your life. Uh, They talk about mental and physical and, you know, all kind of intellectual, etc. And if you do those things, happiness just happens. But if you literally pursue happiness directly... You lose it, and you end up less happy, says the research. I find that fascinating. It's kind of like trying to get a wife or a spouse or something like that. You pursue it too hard, and it's just like you're trying to. you got to just trust God and live your life and let it happen, if you will. But then they asked a couple of questions towards the end of the broadcast, which basically said this. Are you happy? Who is the most happy person you know? And what would they tell you is the purpose of life? I find that fascinating. And so anyway, Kathy Smith, bless her heart, she literally said, Sam, as I thought about those questions, I thought, you know what, Sam, your family is the happiest family I've ever seen in my life. Uh, And she basically was so kind, and (laughs) I just kind of, you know, said, thank you. I appreciate that. We do try to be happy. That's true. I mean, happiness is something that, that comes natural to us. When you focus on God, family, and country every day, that brings happiness, people. When you protect life, liberty, and property, that brings happiness. When you stand forth and stand with God Almighty, it brings happiness. Anyway, uh, so I thanked her graciously for that. I'm not sure that I'm the happiest person there is, but we certainly make a huge effort to be happy. But Lance, question for you. Are you happy? Who is the most happy person you know, sir? You know, it's interesting. You know, and as you brought this story up to me, I had to sit here and think about it. Uh, Yeah, I am happy, actually. I'm happy. You know, I focus on my family and everything comes after that. So, uh, but there's no doubt that 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 everything that I'm, uh, you know, touched by mainstream media and social media, it's always the pursuing of the next 
big thing, right? In my case, I'm always pursuing for more success with the show or more success with my businesses. And I think probably I'm chasing that in my own way. And maybe that's a big mistake. Maybe I should just let it happen naturally. But you know, it's such a tough economy. I always feel like you have to propel. And as far as the happiest person I know, that's an interesting question. I'd have to probably say uh, that is uh, my mom. I think my mom might that's be the happiest incredible. person I know. She's yeah, 91. Yeah, she's 91 and she's she's pretty happy about just about everything that she does. So it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing, but yes, yeah, Sam, I think we all have to think about things like that cuz sometimes you not only do you take things for granted, you start to become repetitive in your behavior. And I think that may be one of my problems. I'm repetitive in my behavior that I'm like, "Oh, we got to do this next." You know, I'm always looking for one more thing, one more thing. Uh, never satisfied. So maybe that's even though it makes me happy doing what I'm doing, I don't know if that's the right way to do it or not. Well, they also show that in other countries where they virtually have nothing compared to what we have in the United States in terms of economics or wealth or homes or mm. you know, uh, products and services and whatever the case may be, the next whatever, um, these people don't have a lot of those things, but they're happiest <clears throat> uh, when they just enjoy the simple things in life. Uh, and so, you know, for example, too much food doesn't make you happy. Not enough food doesn't make you happy, but just enjoying food makes you happy, right? And it's kind of that mantra, if you will, when it comes to pursuing happiness. Don't chase it directly. Don't just get fixated on it. Don't just say, oh, my gosh, I got to be happy. I got to. No, no, no. The podcaster highlighted that it starts kind of with the spiritual. It starts with your relationship with, with a greater source of authority than government. Uh, and you know what? If you believe God or a supreme being is happy with you, then it's hard not to be happy, right? So anyway, I've been thinking about the most happy person that I know, and I don't have an answer to the question yet. Uh, I try to be very happy. And here's the question. What would they tell you is the purpose of life? So what would your mother say is the purpose of life, Lance? Wow. That's a complicated question. You know, I think my mom, uh, she would always tell me that, you know, God and family is the purpose of life. And everything else is just a way to support those two. I don't think that she would think otherwise. I've never asked her that question. You know, that it's, it's interesting. I was just thinking as you were making that last statement that, uh, you know, the marketing schemes that, that are around us, the constant push, you'll be happy if you buy this product. You'll be happy if you buy this car. You'll be happy if you live here. You know, we're constantly being pushed that kind of an agenda. It's crazy. Right, go but ahead yeah, and skip the break. Go ahead, I think we're looking at, I think if I asked her that, Sam, I think she'd tell me uh, God and family. Well, and I think it should be spot on. That's the whole purpose of this broadcast that has occurred for more than 25 years on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, expanding into TV as we speak, by the way. So we're growing uh, by leaps and bounds. Uh, the growth doesn't make me happy. The message does make me happy, though. And I, and I bring all this up, really, because if I were to say what is the purpose of life, I would say the purpose of life is to get a physical body. God gives us a physical body when we're born. Secondly, it's to learn to choose between good and evil and embrace the good, even when it's hard, even when they call you a terrorist, even when they lie about your character and assault you. Uh, you know, you stand for these principles and um, it becomes bigger than you, bigger than life. And that brings peace and happiness. I don't believe happiness and peace can be separated. I don't think you can be happy but not have peace in your soul. You, know, you got peace and happiness kind of go hand in hand. So to me, that is the purpose of life is to find out what you're made of. Will you follow God? Will you follow your own pursuits or will you follow the adversary? I mean, there's really only three choices, right? 
And I think making our will God's will, at least if you're a Christian, is key uh, to happiness and stuff like that. So anyway, I just found that an interesting podcast. I thought they were very thought-provoking questions. Uh, and I, I, I don't really, you know, tell you Kathy's story to say, hey, I'm the happiest guy you know. I just was shocked when she kind of said that a little bit. But I, I, I kind of think I am a happy person. And I do believe I understand the purpose of life. And I do believe that, um, you know, I don't chase happiness directly. I just live my life and pursue what I think to be right, moral, good, honorable. Uh, and then, you know what? The rest just kind of comes. Um, and I'll still be thinking about who the most happiest person I know is. Who, who would that be? I got, I got to think about that. And, and the next question that I would have is, do they have to be alive? Like, can it be somebody that doesn't live now? Um, because I've known some people that have passed away under very... Uh, I don't know, circumstances, there's, there's a, a friend, well, he was my cousin. He's now passed away. A tragic accident took his life when he was young, in his teens. But, man, I remember I used to go to family reunions with this kid as my cousin. His name was Jason. And he literally, this guy literally um, would wake you up in the morning just all cheerful. And I was a teenager, too, so I'm like, oh, go away. I want to sleep, you know. But I, I look at, he was just happy with everything he did. He was just excited to be on the planet, excited for the next thing that was happening in life, and uh, he was probably the happiest person I've known, but he's not alive anymore. So uh, anyway, I got to kind of ask, does the person have to be alive? Anyway, very interesting topic indeed. And it's I really believe that, that we really need to think about that as individuals, as families, as a nation, and really kind of ask ourselves, what does bring happiness? Some people say, well, it's just the absence of sadness. No, it's way more than that. I mean, I agree. But you can be happy and sad at the same time, right? Uh, and so we, we uh, experience multiple emotions simultaneously. And so I don't believe that happiness is the absence of sadness. I can be super happy that, that um, you know, for example, I got my surgery. I can be sad that it's still painful. <laughs> it's like, come on. But yet I can still be grateful. So when does happiness, sadness, and gratitude come to being? And I don't believe you can be a happy person without a lot of gratitude either, Lance. Yeah, I think gratitude is super important. I try to tell myself that mantra every morning when I wake up. I kind of have a a way that I start my day every day, and I always try to appreciate what I have and have gratitude for the opportunities and gratitude for my life. But it's not, you know, it's not easy again. It's one of those things you have to, I actually have to work at it. It's not something that I do naturally. And sometimes I wonder, is it because of the nature of the world around us? Is, is there things that become repetitive behavior because of what we've been kind of trained or brainwashed to believe absolutely and, and that's, that's the whole point we got to reject that right yeah for sure and it, it's a fight you have to work at it i think you have to really wor work at keeping the negative energy out of your life and the negative thoughts and the negative beings and the negative people you know because again in the environment we're in sam there are so many people that i think almost enjoy negativity and yeah, I literally question. try to stay away from, yeah, I just, I try to stay away from that as much as possible, but it's not easy when you're doing news and you're an online persona or you're a radio personality because the stories at the end of the day, it, we want to save the country. We want to win, you know, we want God, country, family. And, you know, the truth is it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fight every single day that we're in, Sam. One other key I think to happiness is when you bring up a problem and you whine and complain and whatever you want to call it about the problem. And then you don't have a solution at the end of the day. In my opinion, it goes very negative very quickly. Uh, it divides. It provides discouragement and everything else. If you, on the other hand, think of it like we've thought about on Liberty Roundtable Live for the last 25-plus years and we've put into practice, which is, you know what, I'm not going to bring to you a problem that I'm not willing to propose a solution to. 
I'm not going to bring you a problem that I'm not willing to bring up a solution to. Now you can say, well, Sam, your solution's not very good. Okay, you can think that, but it's well thought out if you like. And it, okay, and, and I can debate it till the cows come home that it is a great solution. And so one of the keys to me to prevent the negativity is you always say, look, we'll talk about that. But when we do it, we're going to talk about solutions. I think that's key for happiness because then you have, when there's a solution at the end of that, I don't know what you want to call it, travel of darkness, when there's a solution or a light at the end of the tunnel, as some people put it or whatever, that always brings hope. Hope brings faith. Faith brings confidence before God, right? So I personally believe the key to, one of the keys to the exercise is have the end in mind. Start with the end in mind and say, hey, I've got a solution to this. Uh, and the solution is very easy. Nine times out of ten, when it comes to the country, I can look at the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, for my solutions. When it comes to God, I look in the scriptures. When it comes to family, I look in the scriptures for God's guidance, and then I pray and and, and, and I do what's best for my family. But but things become a lot more navigatable and easy to, or easier, I should say, uh, to deal with when you have a solution, when you feel like there's some hope. Lance, I think that's a key. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I always try to, as I'm thinking through problems in my everyday life, I always try to have multiple solutions, a plan A, B, C, so I can solve that situation even before it comes to a head. You know, and I think that's important. I think people have to be prepared and planned. I think they have to think about things, you know, in that way because again, it, then it seems it seems like something you can you can overcome. When you don't believe you can overcome it, well, obviously you lose hope, and that's one of the worst things you can do. So I think you have to look at the problem and think about what the possible multiple solutions are. Just in case Plan A doesn't work, then go to Plan B. But have a way to really think positively about it, that it is solvable. Don't think about, oh, this is unsurmountable. There's no possibility I can fix this. I think that mindset is, is not ever going to help you, and it's never going to make you successful in any portion of your life. And sadly, that's where most talk show hosts are. They bring people to the brink of frustration, the brink of discouragement, the brink of, man, this is, ain't that all, oh, heck, ain't it awful, to the point where it's really hard when you get done with their, their shows, whether they be radio, TV, whatever, um, podcasts, whatever. To to leave at the end going, okay, you know, I've got a place in this. There's something that I can do or whatever else. People feel powerless that way. That leads to a ton of unhappiness. Yeah, it's difficult because the, the model is, especially when you're bringing out facts, truth, you bring the receipts and you bring the real news, not the stuff that's been, you know, sugarcoated by our government or by other groups, whether it's other corporate or uh, pharmaceuticals or anything else. When you bring that truth, yeah, it can be disheartening because when you find out the real facts, there's nothing worse than finding out you were lied to. There's nothing worse than finding out the situation is worse than maybe you even knew. Now you know and you're like, God, what are we going to do about this? It just seems so impossible. And I think that's a frightening thing for, for people in our genre, right? For, for especially investigative journalists, social media influencers, radio talent, you know, whether it's online or, or otherwise. I think we're in a tough spot. I often try to, you know, intertwine our show with some humor and some fun stuff. And I try to give people hope and give them solutions. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough burden for us because you don't want people because what I don't want to do is be considered a fear monger, right? We don't want a fear monger. What we want to do is educate and unify and help. That's the real plan, right? That's what, what we should also be doing. You know, on our show we always talk about uh, e educating, you know, educating and unifying the country one episode at a time. And that's really what's necessary. But a lot of shows don't do that because they really just want the, they want the influence, they want the impressions, they want the clicks, or they want to sell products based on their fear mongering. Sam, 
Yeah, they always say if it bleeds, it leads, just showing the negativity that they believe are the answers. I don't believe in any of that, folks. I'm not here to be a rock star. Okay, I'm not here to get fame and fortune for Sam Bushman. That's not what I'm here for at all. I am here to really understand um, what happiness is, okay, and how to pursue it. And I think one of the best ways to pursue happiness is to say, look, I need to be together spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, right? I got to have all these things together in my life, and you can just go down them one at a time. Hey, physically, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating right? Um, you know, are you on medications that, that bring discouragement and bring despair and, and, and cause all kinds of side effects? Or are you living a fairly clean life? Do you exercise and stretch? In, you know, do you do the physical things, the mental things? You know what? Are you just surrounded with too much negativity? Have you taken a time to, you know, take a break from work and go out and do something different where you kind of refresh your soul? Do you take a weekly Sabbath day, you know, observance, rest? And consider the day to be a covenant, a delight, if you will. Um, how about intellectually? Do you feel like you're intellectually on top of kind of what's happening in your life? Or do you feel like you're just struggling in every area? Um, working on those things is an indirect path to work on happiness. But at some point, if you work on them enough and if you just steadily pursue that and say, hey, I'm mentally working on this. I've made some plans. I'm physically doing this and that. And then pretty soon you go, are you happy? And you go, yeah, you know, I am. And then you say, who's the most happy person that I know? Then you got to ask yourself, okay, what traits are they exhibiting um, that I should embrace? Maybe I can't do all of it. I'm not them. I'm not trying to be them. But I am trying to say, hey, if they've got a formula for success, I'm going to try to find which pieces of that formula in their life can apply to my life and, and work on it. It's kind of like if you want to hang around. I mean, if you want to get rich, hang around rich people. If you want to be intellectually stimulated, hang around intellectuals, right, or whatever. Um, focus on that which will get you there. What would they tell you is the purpose of life? Kind of ask that to yourself and say, what what brings your mom so much happiness? For example, Lance, is it her attitude? Is it you know her view of the circumstances? Is it that she's tethered to God? What is it? Well, I think that obviously she's she's a God fearing person, so I think that's a lot of it. But I also think that. She's gotten to that point in her life where, you know, she's 91. So I think she got to that point in her life where she just uh, just got into the, a much more relaxed position. She's in a good position. She doesn't have a lot of stress. Her, her health for her age is amazing. Uh, I think the things that would normally concern people, she doesn't have those concerns. She's done a pretty good. My mom's lived a pretty simple life, though. You know, she's never had these crazy over the top ridiculous aspirations of what she envisioned her life to be. You know, I always think she wanted a family and she had that. And I think she had, you know, success in her business life. She worked and always had a, a good, you know, and was always promoted and the rest of it. But I don't think she ever let her aspirations, Sam, grow to grow in such a way that they were impossible to achieve. And I think that's the difficulty now, right? I think that's now the what you're talking about is appropriate expectations and the management of those expectations, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the key, right? I think what you have to do is think about it from what the potential is for expectations, uh, you know, on your big picture, right? At the end of the day, you have to take remove yourself from other people telling you what your expectations should be. You know what you want to have in your life. You know you know what you'd like to have in your life. But you also want to make sure that you know that you don't have to have the newest car this week, the newest house, simply because you saw some advertising. Because that's what the whole market's about, right? Upselling you on a better life, upselling you on happiness through personal possessions. 
you know, upselling you in a belief system that you have to make a certain amount of money to be happy. And then you get to making that certain amount of money and you're still not happy. I think you have to every day, you know, it's kind of an ask, believe, receive thing, in my opinion. And I think what really comes down to is really appreciating where you're at, at that, you know, be in the moment, appreciate where you're at in that moment. You know, it could be something as simple as you're in the kitchen, uh, you know, making dinner, you know, focus on what you're doing and appreciate what you're doing and enjoy what you're doing. But people don't do that. You know, that sometimes they're in such a rush from the pressure of, of uh, you know, unreasonable expectations from people around them. Uh, it's tough, Sam. It's a tough thing. You have to focus it is on tough it. When we get back, I have one more thought on this. Then we're moving on to the Super Bowl ads and the cost thereof, etc. It's absolutely out of control. And they're lying to you about how many listeners they have. We'll talk about that, too, coming up, ladies and gentlemen. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live with Lance Miliato, TheBigMig.com, on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Ryan Daniels. Former President Trump is planning to appeal his immunity case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court that after a Democrat-appointed D.C. appeals court ruled against his immunity claims related to the federal election interference charges filed against him for allegedly trying to plot and overturn the 2020 election result. Trial in the case had originally been set for March 4th, but is likely to be pushed back now as the immunity issue takes time to be resolved in the courts. Meanwhile, a group of Republican politicians in Washington is banned together, saying they do not believe the former president at any point took part in an insurrection against the U.S. A resolution in Congress is signed by several of them. The biggest danger is the weaponization of government that's taken place in an effort to prevent President Trump from ever being president again. Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to consider separate cases about whether former President Trump violated a Civil War era clause of the 14th Amendment disqualifying any who rises up against the U.S. government from seeking elected office. A landmark bipartisan immigration and foreign aid deal now faces tough sledding in the U.S. Senate. Republican Minority Leader Mitch McConnell with reporters after a meeting with some of the leaders who authored the bill. We had a very robust discussion about whether or not this product could ever become law. Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer blamed hardline Trump allies in the GOP for scuttling the deal. They were quaking at the knees at the fear of Donald Trump. Republican House Speaker Mike Mike Johnson declared the border deal dead on arrival in the U.S. House after text of the measure was released Sunday. He says it does not do enough to deter illegal border crossings. Tucker Carlson, the former Fox News host, is revealing that he will soon release an interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The announcement follows Carlson being cited numerous times in Moscow over the weekend. This is USA News. Okay, I'm talking funny because I'm in the witness protection program. I have too much credit card debt, and I don't want people to find me. Okay, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about credit card debt. Right, those plastic things that we all have in our wallet. Are you in your 50s or 60s, and you're still carrying around a mound of credit card debt? Wouldn't it be nice to start banking that money and save a little money for retirement down the road? We help people restructure their credit card debt all the time. We show people how they can get out of credit Credit card debt in months, not years. Listen, you'll be carrying around credit card debt for the 
rest of your life unless you deal with it right now. We offer a free consultation so you can learn how you can finally wipe out your credit card debt and start saving money. Give us a free call right now. Call Debt Solutions Network now. 866-451-3328. 866-451-3328. That's 866-451-3328. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans, who are they? Democrats, who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Lance Biliato, TheBigMig.com on your radio. We're talking about the Zest for Life podcast. Episode one, Exploring Happiness. A big shout out to them. Great job. Don't chase happiness directly is the key. Are you happy? Who is the most happy person you know? And what would they tell you the purpose of life is? Uh, And I bring this up because I really want to kind of uh, highlight this. Um, Expectations are really, 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 really important. You know, believe it or not, that's what divides most marriages. You know, some people blame it sex. Some people say it's money. Some people say it's this. They say it's that. That. But what you really have 99 times out of 100 is when people are disgruntled, when people are angry, when people are disappointed, when all these negative emotions, really it's in mismatched expectations that are really at the heart of it all. You know, this person thinks it should be this way, or this person should act that way, or, uh, you know, we should have money, or we should this or that, or, you know, we're incompatible in this and that. It's mismatched expectations. We almost expect our spouse or something to be perfect or to, to not have any flaws, to just be exactly what we think they ought to be, or whatever. Um, and these mismatched expectations, I believe, are one of the greatest keys um, to solve. 
because that's what brings tremendous unhappiness. Uh, if you can reset your expectations to be realistic pretty soon, it's like, hey, my spouse isn't so bad. I know they're not perfect at this or this or this, but you know what? I'm going to look inward a little bit and say, I'm not perfect at this, 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 this. I got to work on being the best spouse I can, not worry about my spouse and making sure that she does what she's supposed to do or what I think she should do. Or, And the same thing's true in relationships with all kinds of people, right? If Lance and I get on the radio and he's got this expectation that, you know, we're going to beat Rush Limbaugh's numbers and, hey, we don't. Well, no wonder he's not going to be happy. He's going to think this sucks. Um, <laughs> at the same time, you got to kind of step back and say, I don't care what my numbers are. I know that it's important to have numbers. And some people say, well, you don't speak to anybody. Sam, you're talking to yourself. And my response is, I don't think so. So let me give you a quick story to illustrate the point. When I started out in radio, I had a chance to be a big talker on a, on a bunch of, like, I was promised to be on 350 stations if I'd quit talking about God. And I said, no. And that would have meant a lot of money to me. And it would have literally made, uh, eventually, my name probably a household name, or at least close to. And uh, I turned it down and said, no, I don't want that. And I was kind of disappointed and sad because my expectations were, you know what? I think I'm reasonably decent at this. I should be able to do, you know, pretty good. Um, and, and, but then later in life, I kind of realized, had I moved to, you know, Florida or California, had I worked on being a Republican talker, and promoted the Republican agenda. Had I uh, pursued this and, and worked on books and public appearances and this and that with a uh, somebody who uh, was my agent and all this kind of stuff, I'd probably be in a whole different place now. I'd probably have a lot of money, and I'd probably be reasonably popular if I had pursued that career. But I didn't. I said, you know what? I'd rather be home with my wife and with my children day to day. And if I have to make a living doing something else and, and, and radio is just kind of part of my job, uh, that's fine. And and at the end of that rainbow, I'm 25 plus years into it now, and I look at it and I say, you know what? God's made more of my broadcast than I could have made myself. I'm happy that I can walk down the street with complete an anonymity. Nobody knows who I really am. Okay? I can literally influence the news cycle and not get credit for it. So I've got, in a way, the big MIG. I've got a big mic, way bigger than we might realize. But yet, you know what? I don't have all the negative with it. I don't have all the publicity. I don't have all the attacks, comparatively speaking. I don't have all the, the money problems and away from my family all the time. And I look at it and I go, man, I mean, I'm convinced over the 25 years I've watched the news cycle. And we have tremendous influence on the news cycle. That's why uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center and others literally went to Congress and said, these guys, the influence they have is incredible. I mean, they're, the, they're the nexus of, of everything they say is evil and bad. But if they're claiming that kind of stuff before Congress, we must have a bigger mic than we realize, or they wouldn't be doing that. But the point that I'm getting at is God has made more of my broadcast than I could have. Now I can sit behind the scenes and have the best of both worlds. I can, I can just be a normal Joe, but I can also have incredible influence uh, in the nation and on the news cycle. Uh, so God's made more. So now my expectations are a little different. I'm kind of going, okay, Lord, I finally get it. You know what? I'm glad I listened, and I'm glad I put first things first in my life, right? And I think when you do that, happiness just naturally occurs, Lance. Yeah, I think that's an amazing way to look at things, Sam, although I want to go back. I thought we were already beating Rush Limbaugh's numbers. Well, we are because he's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, here's my point. <laughs> I think I – think, yeah, exactly. But I we think... are beating him in terms of numbers because we're providing solutions to more people than he ever did. Yeah, he, he didn't provide a lot of solutions, that's for sure. Although I loved Russia's show. At the end of the day, you're right, he didn't do that. Uh, you know, 
I, it hit me when I, you know, we took a little break. The gra- the statement, the grass is always greener. And, you know, that is so important on your happiness, right? If you're always looking at what everybody else is doing and saying, well, they've got a nicer car, they've got a nicer house, they've got this. When you start to lose focus on just achieving your goals based on your daily successes, which could just be a small success. It could be that you're teaching yourself how to uh, cook or you're, you decided you wanted to do, uh, go to the gym more often or you wanted to lose a certain amount of weight. You should focus on what your goals are on, your own successes, and don't base that on what the people around you, oh, he just got a promotion and I didn't, or they're able to live over there in that new you know, expensive neighborhood. I think that's the worst way to do things because that's going to do nothing but create unhappiness. Not that you shouldn't have goals. You should focus on goals, but they should be achievable goals. I always think you have to have short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. That's the way that I look at everything, whether it's my show, whether it's my life, whether it's my family, that I want to do a better job with my friends. I want to talk to them more often about things that aren't uh, related to any kind of businesses or any kind of problems. I just want to enjoy their company. I think you have to really focus on that. I always think that you have to have those goals that, that are set by you, not by the people around you. Amen to that. And I think, again, happiness in the little things matter. I'll tell you a quick example that I think is kind of funny, but it it relates. I love nuts, Lance, like all different kinds of nuts and stuff like that. I like to eat nuts. They're good for you. They're a great snack. And I went to this nut company, and they had all these different nut packages. And I'm like, no, I don't like this one. I don't like that one. And then I saw this link. It's like, hey, make your own nut bag or, you know, create your own nut collection or whatever. So I went in there, and I added all these different things to my, my collection. I added little pieces of ginger. I added uh, all uh, some carob, and I added all these different kind of healthy things for you that are good, and I made this. And then they said, now you're going to name your own special nut creation or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So I named Sounds great. I love it. you got to give me that website. Go ahead. Anyway, so I went to this nut company. I got this account. I, I picked all the different things that I'm going to have in my nut thing, and I ordered a five-pound bag of it. <laughs> and then when I named it, it's called Sam's Finest. Yeah, sounds like I think it's a great name. Right? <laughs> anyway, and so I got these incredible nuts, man, and they're delicious. And so I know that sounds stupid. I know it's just like, Sam, you're no, goofy. No, well, actually, it so, sounds you awesome. Those little <laughs> things bring me happiness, though. Those little things make me feel like, you know what? This is a great world. Imagine in modern times when you can literally say, I want these 20 things in my nut collection pack or whatever. And, I, and, I, and it just gets shipped directly to your door, and it's all measured out perfectly. And it, it's just like, wow, that's incredible. And so little things like that make me happy. And my whole point to anybody listening, you don't have to do what Sam does and create Sam's finest nut collection. <laughs> but you find little things like that in your life that make you happy, that make you feel like, you know, that's cool. I like that. I'm, you know, it, and those little things will bring you more joy than you can imagine. Now, goals are important and pursuing good things in life are important. But it's the, it's the little things along the way that make it great, Lance. Here's my short-term goal, Sam. If you're going to the event in Oklahoma, I'm expecting you to bring me a small bag of Sam's Finest because you already said you you had me at hello on that, Sam. When you started talking about ginger and carob chips, I started salivating because you know, my friend. Yeah, listen to me, but you're on point, right? Because there's some nuts. (laughs) Yeah, there's some nuts I really don't like. Like I don't like Brazil nuts all that much, but you know, there's so many. Yeah, and there's so many other nuts I love. So when you started doing I, I and again, you know I fast every day, right? I fast from about 6 or 7 o'clock at night till yeah. about yep. noon every day. So I started salivating. I'm like, it's called okay. intermittent fasting, so people know. 
Yeah, and you had me at Sam's finest, buddy. So you better bring me a bag of that when you come. And I think <laughs> what you just what you just summed up there is exactly that. It's 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 that it's that moment when you're enjoying the, the the fruits of your labor, right? I don't care if it's just you're in the kitchen and you just nail what you were cooking. I like to cook, so that's why I brought it up a couple times, uh, you know, in, in this discussion. Because, but again, I watch a lot of cooking shows. There's lots of people out there that obviously are much more sophisticated when it comes to being in the kitchen. But I try to get the tips, and then I try to, you know, actually do that exact uh, meal or take tips know, from Lance that. And is maybe, working on making panzerotti, people. Yeah, of course, Panzerati or Chiapino or other things. But it's only Italian. I try to cook all things. But the point is, when you get done and it and you did it right, and everybody around you goes, "Wow, this is amazing." You have to enjoy that moment. Live in the moment. Enjoy. You know, if we, if we have a great episode, you and I, I want to enjoy that moment when I get done and go, wow, that was a great episode. I hope people appreciate it. I hope people liked it enough that they're gonna, you know push our message out even further and, and give it to their friends and give it to their family members. That's the key. Enjoy the moment. All right. Let's go ahead and skip the break because I got so much news it's not even funny. And we <laughs> hope to bring happiness to your life, ladies and gentlemen, in all that we do. Okay. Now, the Super Bowl ads are pricier than ever. Lance, it's around $7 million for a 30-second spot this year, according to Jen Goodman. She wrote an article about this. And last year, they say more than 150 million people tuned in to watch the big game. Now, two things about this. Number one, that price is through the stratosphere. It's out of control. If you want to point to something for inflation, holy moly. But this idea that 150 million people watched the big game, I don't believe it, Lance. I don't believe that at all. You know, listen, the Big Mig was going to buy one of those ads, but they just kind of just went. I was going to go six and a half million. I was going to go six and a half million, Sam, but then I they went to seven. I was like, no, I'm no. like, listen, that's the breaking point for the Big Mig show. You know, no, Sam, paddle, look, Lance. there is <laughs> exactly <laughs> Sam. There is no way uh, that 150 million people are watching that. I don't care who's uh, lying about those statistics. I'm, I'm going to tell you is, how they get there. Well, I'm going to tell you this. There is a huge un online, uh, you know, movement of people that just aren't buying into this uh, pro athlete anything anymore. There's so many people that used to watch professional sports, and after the not taking a knee and BLM and and all the LGBT and even the baseball strikes of years ago kind of kicked it off, right? Listen, I agree, and and I think at the end of the day. They really did themselves a disservice. And there's a lot of people. i got to be honest with you, Sam. I pay very little attention uh, to professional baseball, hockey, basketball, or football. I pay attention to UFC because I enjoy it, MMA, because I like the people also. You know, those athletes have really gotten spoiled, and it's come through, and I think the networks have gotten spoiled. Every time you turn around, the prices go up on whether you're streaming it on one of the online platforms or otherwise. So I say, $150 million? No way, Sam. Well, if you count all the dogs and cats and stuff like that, they might get there, Lance. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe you know, I, I have five little rescue dogs. Maybe my dogs are sneaking into the other room and turning on the TV and watching the yeah, Super buddy, Bowl. Yeah, but you and your wife and the five dogs are seven of you, my friend. See? Yeah. You get those numbers pretty easy. But yeah. look, and when they say watching, what does that mean to them? And every time a commercial comes on like that to me... I bail and go do something during the commercial. I go get a drink. I go make something to eat. I go to the restroom. I go, you know, follow up with a phone call that I got to make. I check in with my wife. I doesn't everybody else do that too? So even so, I mean, that's literally fifty percent of the whole nation. I don't think so. Not even close. Yeah, I'm not buying it. 
I think that's you know, a other false years, number. They've said it's 113 million and this and that and that and the other. And you know, I, I just I don't believe the numbers. But here's the interesting thing about this too. Years gone by. You curious what the ads cost in the past? I was born in 1967, Lance, so I'm pretty young. But in 1967, a Super Bowl 32nd ad cost $40,000. Now, that to me is high. <laughs> but $40,000 in 67 to $7 million in 2023. You think about that and you go, wow. Believe it or not, the cost for an ad didn't even break the million-dollar mark until 1995, Lance. So it's just going to show you that they've literally destroyed our whole economy. Inflation is the absolute robber of prosperity. And they've let it go under this dishonest money system for too long. And now we're starting to feel the, uh, the uh, negative effects of this. The answer is to go back to constitutional currency just to put the solution on the table as well. But I think about that, and I think it wasn't even until 1995 that it was over a million bucks. So since 95 to now, we've gone seven times. That is shocking. It's not even 30 years, right? Well, you're going against the total narrative of the White House uh, saying the economy is booming. Uh, everything points to that being a lie. You know, if the, he wants to DC, buy Liberty Roundtable Live, a couple of Super Bowl ads, it might be booming. You know, exactly. I mean, I learned the I, truth, right? Listen, they give our money away so easily. I mean, look at the new border bill. Nine percent goes to the border and the rest goes for all the everything else. Ukraine gets a, a huge chunk. I mean, it's crazy what they attempt to do. And then they lie to us about it. I'm not buying that. The, the, I'm not buying the 150 million people watching the Super Bowl any more than I'm buying that the economy is booming. A seven million dollar ad uh, is just beyond ridiculous. And the worst part is that's just getting passed through to the consumers. I mean, we're paying for those ads through price increases sure. or, or, or even better yet. I love the way the, the packages look the same, but the weights have gone down. Everything's yes. been adjusted for inflation. So you might think that the package is the same and the price hasn't changed, but of course you're getting three, four, five, six, seven ounces less. So in yeah. fact, the prices have gone up. It's a crazy thing. And I just can't imagine that well, any of those numbers are trend, close. On the Sam's Finest Nut Collection, buddy, you're going to have to pay like $5,000 for a bag, my friend. I, you know, listen, I, 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 I can't believe that Sam's Finest didn't pay for a Super Bowl ad. I'm disappointed, Sam. I, I mean, I would have done the ad for you. You could have had me do a funny ad with you. I can't believe you didn't cough up the money. I'm going to have to work on it, people. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready to set up a, a GoFundMe or, you know, set, go send whatever it is, send go, whatever. Hey, you know what? You know what, something? That, now, you should do that. That's funny. You should put up that you're trying to raise $7 million on Give, Send, Go to put for up a Super Bowl Super Bowl. Ad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Now, listen, Donald Trump's kind of doing something similar that I thought I'd tell you about. Donald Trump says, quote, not a woke company. Trump urges second chance for Bud Light. What do you think of this, Lance? Ooh, you know, that makes me uncomfortable in a lot of, for a lot of reasons. I, you know, Amen. I think I think let me let me say this. I think uh, Bud, Bud Light is fixable but not in the way that they're doing it. Now, I don't know whether or not they endorsed Trump. Maybe they did. I, could, I wouldn't be surprised if they did or what they've uh, contributed. I mean, that's definitely their move. I've yeah, seen them making happy, those endorsed Donald, okay? But you know the People? biggest, number one that's biggest cool. mistake that Bud Light has made, number one, not only hiring that guy or thing or whoever to do the ads, the number one mistake, not a genuine apology to the American public. 
Why didn't the no CEO question. and that team say we really screwed up? And we're really they don't believe so, it. They think it's their agenda to, to pervert genders and everything else. They think that's their, you know, God ordained purpose, if you will. He he listen, Sam, he hired a psychologist from a well known think tank to write a letter that was supposed to be an apology. You've never seen a worse crafted letter. I wish I had it in well, front of me. You don't and, ask and, somebody else to do your apology when you need to take personal responsibility. See, and that's the biggest problem in America is people aren't taking personal responsibility for things. Yeah, 100%. So at the end of the day, Bud Light could be fixable, but not under the current plan and the way they're doing it. And a lot of things came out. A lot of people made statements about that they didn't think the product tasted that good, but they were loyal, but they weren't going to be loyal anymore and blah, blah, blah. It went on and on and on. I'm not sure about Trump. Uh, it's kind of like him talking about the FBI a couple of weeks ago in a positive way. That made me uncomfortable. So... Uh, I, I would stay away from Bud Light right now. I think here's that's one of those ones to, that isn't fixed. Here's my response to Donald. Why would you say such a thing, and what is your agenda with that? Okay, why would you why would you give Bud Light another chance? First off, it's an alcohol company, and I'm not saying that people can't choose to drink if they want to, but I'm just telling you, look, alcohol ruins thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. And so you're going to then say we need to make up and promote this alcohol company? What's the agenda? What for? Okay, they've made their bed, let them lie in it. And I'm not trying to be rude to them. I'm just saying, you know what? Doesn't hurt me a bit. I don't see a second chance for Bud Light at all. What I see is if we let them out of harm's way now, all we've done is said we're only half serious. We like beer more than we like the truth. I'm rejecting that view, Lance. I, you know, listen, anytime you get involved with uh, making statements and endorsing anyone or anything, you have to really look at the big picture. And I think you just nailed it. I wouldn't, if I was a politician at this point, sometimes I feel like we're politicians, Sam, because I feel like we're always, uh, you know, bringing up the next next important thing to discuss. But at the end of the day, I think it's a mistake. I think that uh, a lot of times politicians and, uh, uh, you know, sports figures and celebrities, I think that getting endorsements uh, and taking money for those endorsements makes you look, uh, you, you lose your credibility, Sam. And I think credibility is ever so important in all those positions. And we've seen it over and over again. So my, my suggestion to all of them, stay on the sidelines. Stay neutral. Not only stay neutral, but stand for what you believe in. Uh, and, uh, you know, do what you know to be right. That's what brings happiness. It isn't about the money. It isn't about the fame. It isn't about the fortune. Um, that's the difference between me and a politician. I might have as much political discussions as the politicians do. The only difference is I tell the truth. Speaking of that, you can't make this up, Lance. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I'll tell you this. You know, it, right now, I think that if Bud Light wanted to hire Sam Bushman and Lance Miliacho, I can fix that company. I can fix their sales. But they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to definitely be willing to get ready to be humbled. It's going to take some humility, and I don't think they're capable of it based on the response so far. Did you know that the CEO, uh, the CEO used to work for the CIA? Not surprising. Shame. And that's what I mean by what is Donald's agenda here? What kind of relationships and circumstances don't we know about that would engineer uh, him going out on a limb for them? Why would he do that? There's got to be a reason. Hopefully we can discover it. You can't make this up about the Biden regime, Lance. Yeah, well, I mean, the Biden regime ever ever so, uh, uh, I mean, obviously their top initiative is 
lying, lying, and lying some more. I mean, I, listen, I'm in shock that they can continue to lie with a straight face. The press secretary, KGB, are you kidding me? Sam, it, it, if you had to tell those lies every day, could you even do it? I, I wouldn't be capable of it. I couldn't sell my integrity like that. But Happiness they do it tanks. over and over and over again. I mean, listen to this thing. I got to give you this line, this news line here. And I don't mean to break up here, but listen to this news cycle that just hit the news today. Biden regime designates Martha's Vineyard as low income community to qualify for federal EV char charger tax credits. Thoughts? Well, Martha's Vineyard is like, uh, I just wish I had a tenth of the money that the lowest income earner or the, the whatever you want to say of the, this is the 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 wealthy of the wealthy right yeah yeah like like they like like they, they even need a tax like it's the hood in martha's vineyard and, and the the, so they've been designated as a low income community so that that saves them 30 percent off the cost of a charger and gets them a tax credit i just don't understand that you know the intended definitions of that from the department of treasury and department of energy clearly can't be martha's vineyard maybe right. it's south bronx Maybe it's Compton, but it sure as hell isn't. It sure as hell isn't uh, Martha's Vineyard. I mean, the numbers there. Well, I think the media. What they're doing is, you know, Joe got a pay-to-play deal, and he's pretty wealthy. Maybe if you just don't make as much money as Joe, then you're in the poorhouse. That's, that's a good point. Ten percent for the big guy. Who knows? I, right. I don't disagree. I mean, listen. Didn't Obama pay eleven or twelve million dollars <laughs> for his estate? And I think most yeah, of the houses run insane. around five million. Right. Yeah, those don't but seem like low-income housing. You can't even buy a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, well, well Obama yeah. could have bought one and a half Super Bowl ads for what he paid for his house. But you're right. right. Most of yeah. the people in Martha's Vineyard could not sell their house and pay a Super Bowl ad. Well, at least at today's numbers. They could have bought a Super Bowl ad five years ago because it was $5 million. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, Sam. This is crazy. they could have bought one. It was $1 million. In 67, they could have bought one for a mere less than forty grand. I mean, but again, this is the Biden administration, right? Uh, the elites benefit and the rest of us can just, you know, stuff it. <laughs> well, it all comes down to definitions. And that's the problem that I'm having with the Republicans, ladies and gentlemen, is just what they're doing. You know what? Why would we let the Biden regime make up this idea that Martha's Vineyard's low income without a challenge from Congress? They need to say, look, we allocated this money. This doesn't apply. Or you're not going to manipulate this to be whatever you want and... and benefit your friends joe that's not happening how come no one's speaking out about this really it's a great question i mean it just seems like congress is sidelined it's insane when we get back we got a lot to talk about donald trump not too flattering i'm not against the donald or for the donald i just tell you when he's doing great i highlight it when he's not doing great i tell you why it's not good but we provide solutions in every case lance miliacho with me ladies and gentlemen the big check that out on social and everywhere else, Lance Miliacho and the Big Mig. George Ballantine is co-host on his show. Uh, hour one in the can, hour two coming up. God save the Republic of the United States of America.